Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner. Where there's banter's house for us, says the Buffalo Bills on Saturday night, my friend. You're cheering for the right team, apparently, at this point. First team in playoff history to start with seven straight touchdown drives. Whew, yikes. Man, that's honestly a wild stat. And, like, the Patriots got slapped down. They, they really did in that game. And, you know, it wasn't the only blowout, you know, to start this NFL playoff season. But it was definitely one that was on the radar of a lot of people. Because that doesn't happen a lot to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And these Bills, they might be chugging along. Dude, the only time it ever happens to Bill Belichick is when apparently Josh Allen is on the other team because he consistently does this. I mean, he does have that one bad game in the rainstorm, but that was a crazy monsoon, so you know you can throw that out the window. But yeah, man, never happens to Bill Belichick unless Josh Allen is playing absolutely wild. Um, I guess we can stay with football here uh, for your take, man. Uh, you yes, you gifted those Bengals 31 years, man. Um, I know Lachlan was absolutely amped up to get that win, so uh, I'm sure he thanks you. You know, I was I was trying out the luck at the beginning of the time, and it, it worked out at the end of the day. You know, it, it was all about those those Bengal Tigers. They they pulled the W out, you know, and the Raiders. Unfortunately, their season ends. Matt's sad because they also had a great story, but you know, it, this is football, right? One one team only gets to leave at the end of the day. Dude, I shouldn't have tried to to challenge you. Uh, nah. That's my fault. Uh, but you, you know what, man? Uh, it just wasn't my week last week. Um, the Lakers, they beat the Jazz of all the teams. <laughs> like, they lose to the Pacers, um, and they beat the Jazz. Um, one and two week, I was off. I was off. The, the Pacers win last night was also bad because they were up 15 in the third. And then, the, I don't know how the Pacers came back in the fourth, but they destroyed them. So, you know, Lakers, they, they need to figure something out. The Lakers, outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis <laughs> and Russell Westbrook, are absolute atrocious basketball team building. And Russell Westbrook, with those two guys, is also bad team building. Sometimes, star players would love the extra talent, but don't necessarily realize everything that goes into team building. That's why they pay you as a general manager to make the decisions, Rob. Whatever. <laughs> poor, yeah, poor, poor Rob Polinka. But yeah, too far ahead of ourselves. Maybe we'll talk about the Lakers a little bit more because they are, I mean, they're okay. They're still in the playoffs at this point in time, but it's NFL season right now, Matt. It's playoff time. Week one of the playoffs is in the books, and we had some sweet games, in my opinion. Yeah, man, absolutely some great games this past weekend. Um, let's just start off with the Bengals. Like you said, man, the Raiders had a great story. I tried to get them that win, but, you know, challenged you and your curse powers. Um, you, you got the Bengals that win. I think more importantly, though, for Bengals fans is they know that they have a franchise quarterback. Joe Burrows is a little bit older for quarterbacks um, for the younger scale. He's 24. Um, turning 25, I believe, this year. Um, so he'll he's gonna you know have next 15 years at his peak, but he's gonna have an immense peak. So they'll be they'll be in the playoffs for the next 15 years, foreseeably, um, even in that that really tough division. I mean, let's hope that they do better than Lamar and the Ravens, who 50 episodes ago, Matt, I somehow dragged them through their first playoff win under Lamar. So let's hope for more. You know, I think the Bengals are a more um, consistent 
you know, ready team, especially with Burroughs, you know, ready at the helm comparatively. But we'll we'll see what happens. See, I don't think that's true. I think the the Ravens are more set up for consistency, but the Bengals have a more prototypical pocket quarterback where people know how to win with. Um, okay. And the Ravens also had massive injuries this year. The Ravens would have won the division this year had they had been healthy. Lamar missed games. They lost their their running backs. They lost their their best cornerback. Uh, they lost some offensive linemen. If their team was healthy, I think they would win. So I think the Bengals making the playoffs every year in this tough division is going to be a task. Um, but I, I can see them doing it, man. I mean, they did get that first playoff win right off the monkey off the back. Matt over here with the true NFL knowledge. Me, just the voodoo hot take wizard with no real NFL knowledge no worry, over man. here. But exciting, dude. Exciting. I like I like that content from you. No worries, man. Um, the game that I, you know, you say I know the NFL, but I thought it was going to be close. The Bills just rolled the Patriots. Absolute beat down. Seven straight touchdowns like we mentioned. Wow. I don't know if even Bills fans were ready for it at this point in time, right? Like, it's you go into this game, and I thought with you it was going to be the the true close matchup because we were talking about these teams battling all season long to see who was going to really be the cream of the crop. And at the end of the day, I guess the Bills win. Here we are. Dude, I was expecting them to win, but just not in such dominant fashion. Um, They absolutely dominated them from start to finish. Uh, the Patriots really couldn't get anything going until the game was so far out of reach that the Bills just kind of let off the gas. So, uh, yeah, here we are, man. Um, Bills making it to that next round. Um, but let's let's continue with this one. We've got Tampa, who absolutely smoked the Eagles. I was debating this one as well. Again, shows you how much I know about the NFL. Jalen Hurts did not play well. They only added 15 points in the last quarter when Tampa was already up 31 nothing. Yikes. They'll be back, though. We, we we mentioned about the Eagles all year. They were just, like, sneakily there. And Hurts is young, right? Like, there's still lots of time for this team to build and become consistent and not have to deal with, you know, Tom Brady in the first round. But, like, you know, ho- hopefully this will be good for them in the future. A playoff loss is still playoff experience, I guess, for them. You know? Yeah, definitely good playoff experience to get. Um, and you're right. They're probably not going to have to play Tom Brady in the first round every year that they're back in the playoffs with Jalen Hurts. Um, he's He wasn't good enough in that game, but could he develop into something that is good enough in the future? Definitely. Definitely has that potential. Um, I picked this one, though, my friend. <laughs> yes, sir. Dallas over the – or Dallas losing to the 49ers. I don't, I don't know what to talk about with this game, man. It ended in a weird way, but the 49ers really dominated from start to finish. So the fact that they even had a chance, like you can blame Jimmy G, not the refs. I don't know. The, the conversation of this game is the fact that Stephen A almost died to a, a disease, but came back just in time to rip on Cowboys fans. The world is okay. <laughs> Cowboys fans are losing. America's team is in shambles. You know what? The 49ers were a good team. They are a good team. They're dealing with injuries, obviously. But at the same time, I bet you the Cowboys were overlooking this game. I bet you they were looking past this. They weren't thinking, you know, oh, the 49ers are going to take us out. We're going to find a way to win this and work towards the next round. Because, like, the 49ers are going to face the Packers. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but, like, if you're the Cowboys 
you're preparing for Green Bay in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the way that I see it. So I think they just got overlooked and were asleep. Yeah, I, I think they were they were preparing for the next round for a tougher opponent and they I, I also think just San Francisco matches up well against them and, and Dak Prescott, I, I was telling you this earlier, I just I think he has everything you want on the intangible side of the quarterback, which raises his ceiling into what can be viewed at sometimes as elite status and why he makes so much money. But at the end of the day, when you pay somebody who makes that much money, he does have to have the elite ability and I, like unlike Aaron Rodgers, who has all the ability in the world and lacks some of those characteristics, those you True. know key intangibles, he can get get it done in the crunch because he has the talent, whereas Dak doesn't. So it's it's tough for Cowboys fans. Um, we'll see what they do, man. I, I think this was one of their better chances at winning a Super Bowl. And I mean, they I don't think they creeped up higher than four on my power rankings all year for a reason. You know? Yeah, they were just kind of there. They were always a team that was going to be in the playoffs they were going to exist but you know you didn't really have a lot of hope or faith in them at the end of the day dude they beat up on the nfc east every single <laughs> year so uh i'm done talking about them um kc man got it going over pittsburgh they didn't start off so hot but you know nick Wright better than a buy he's right um we'll see how they how they do with uh the the buffalo bills coming into town man i think this is going to be the the matchup of the weekend and the one that i'm going to be glued to the television for I mean, we're down to the wire now. We got four games coming up this weekend, you know. Saturday, Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers. The predictable day, I think, of the two comparatively, because Sunday with Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks, Rams, a little bit more of a toss up, in my opinion. Absolutely, man. After the Rams stomped Arizona, I felt bad for them. Cliff Kingsbury, nine straight years of, of his teams falling apart. Um, I read somewhere that his record's like 15 and 18 in college with Patrick Mahomes as a starting quarterback. Like, that's kind of tough. Um, Patrick Mahomes is an NFL MVP, yeah. and you <laughs> had him in college and couldn't win games. Um, rough. Maybe Andy Reid, you know, really pulled it out of him, and everyone uh, doesn't know what they're talking about when it comes to Cliff Kingsbury, um, that he shouldn't be in this position. But you're right, man. I think Tampa Rams um, and Casey Buffalo are the are the toss up of the weekend. Whereas, see, I I think the Bengals though still have a chance, and I think Joe Burrows is gonna outduel Ryan Tannehill, and I think with Jamar Chase and the fact that Derrick Henry isn't a hundred percent fully healthy, and the team is gonna kind of bring him back. That's gonna throw a wrench into kind of what they're doing into the the momentum of their team and that's not great for the playoffs having sat out a week you get a little bit softer you know the first hit the first contact yeah. is going to be a little bit harder yeah. the Bengals are ready for this joe burrows is hungry he's you know this is his shot at getting to an afc championship game in year two i think yeah. i like the Bengals. it's that game is like the true wild card game i think because there's all the expectation on the Titans, right? Yes. Having that that buy, and then the Bengals are kind of just this this upstart. Almost. House money. It's, it's the it, it, yeah yeah exactly. But you know, Packers Forty ers Like I'm sorry, Forty ers fan. Your team is injured. Green Bay is a beast. Um, they want to win. They want to solidify themselves. You know, how, how long has it been? I mean, you know this better than me. When was the last time Green Bay was 
in a Super Bowl. 2010, man, I think is when he last won. So, I mean, wouldn't that be great? You look at what, what Tom Brady did getting one last year, right? Yeah. So, no, Aaron. You know, I just, I, I look at Saturday and I just, I don't, I don't see the same um, toss up in both of the games that I see on Sunday, right? Like, there's just, there's more fun, I think, there. Aaron needs a win. He 100% needs a win, or else the media will crucify him. Everything that he's done <laughs> this year, everybody will yeah. crucify him. And at the end of the day, he will not forget how to play football between one week or a week and a half. He's no. going to be Aaron Rodgers. And unfortunately for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's still a serviceable high-end quarterback, again, in that 15 to, to 10 range, um, yeah, he's going to lose. He's hurt, which also lowers his status. Yeah, that's. I think it's, I think it's Green Bay. I think it's Kansas City. Um, in a tight one over Buffalo, I'm just gonna take them, the Bengals, and I'll take the Rams, man. Um, Aaron Donald and that defense looked like the defense, the number one defense last year that they were. Um, Matthew Stafford had his first playoff win. Um, I think Tampa Bay's luck runs out. I think they're a little bit banged up, a little bit hurt. Um, and as much as the goat is the goat, he did leave New England because he couldn't elevate that roster anymore. So can he elevate this roster the same way that he had to? We'll see if he still has it in the tank, man. A lot of solid points coming out of Matt over here. It's going to be exciting. I'm still personally, you know, hot take wizard over here, tossed up about what I'm going to do. I've still got, you know, 25 minutes or so, maybe 30 <laughs> minutes or so till I got to figure it out. But, you know, man, it's, it's going to be exciting, you know. Another weekend of football, Matt. We're coming down. It's almost gone. It's it's sad almost a little bit. It's crazy to think how fast this season just flies by. Hey, man, this is the best weekend of football all year. It's the best teams and the best games. Um, you get football all weekend. Uh, great games every single day. So I'm excited about it, man. Um, if you want to just kind of touch on the NHL here, um, obviously same same old same old but the best thing that's happened for me is the Montreal Canadiens got a new general manager um former player agent Kent Hughes who is known for having high-end Montreal or Quebecois players on his roster um Vincent LeCavalier uh Letang Patrice Bergeron all very good players um all French Canadian he's um from Quebec um speaks French he was having some trouble yesterday finding some of his words, but you know, just like me, I'm bilingual. But if you asked me to speak in French right now, I'd you know still struggle. It's it's been years since I graduated high school. Give me a break. Matt, <laughs> my seven year olds on the chairlift are trying to teach me French, and I can't roll my R's very well, and they literally just tear me apart. So trust me, I I feel like I can't <laughs> speak anything but English. Oh, but he was he was good in his press conference. I I liked it yesterday. Um, I like that he's going to be an outside kind of hire somebody who they had to really pull in um, who's been offered, you know, other managing positions before and turned them down. Cause he's been so successful as a player agent. Um, so I like that aspect. I like that. It's a two man operation with him and Gordon, that they were the best people available and not the best French Canadian people available. Cause as much as I like the French culture that comes with the Montreal Canadians, um, I think that the culture of winning is more important than, than anything. Uh, when you talk about the brand, um, so yeah, it was, it was a big day for the Montreal Canadiens hiring their general manager. We'll see what he does. Trade deadline's coming up. They, they're going to rip up that roster, I'm sure. Um, some big players who are on the move. Evander Kane's fighting with the San Jose Sharks to keep his contract. We'll see if 
teams are waiting to see if he'll get bought out or not to see if they can you know add him to the roster because he's still like an elite hockey player which is just wild to me but yeah that's controversy left right matt i like to comment about the whole winning situation right like you want winning to be first because like you can appease your fans by hiring somebody that fits the culture that fits the community and the fans will be happy but like if he loses games they're not going to be happy if you're winning games doesn't matter who's on your roster doesn't matter who runs your office if you win a championship fans are happy so yeah winning culture first my friend um scotty bowman isn't the most french canadian name i've ever heard in my life but he is revered in the montreal community um and you know what marc bergevin marc bergevin is a very very french canadian name where i think most of the french canadian media wanted him out for the past five plus years so yeah yeah, i mean you gotta you gotta prioritize winning winning culture pulling in the same direction it's it's not about what i speak what you speak it's about how we communicate to get to the end um so hopefully that's that's the new culture that he's bringing in that's what he kind of talked about is, is talking about pulling in the same direction to the fullest so please Please, let's build a consistent winner. And, you know, two years to be bad in a row. Shane Wright, Connor Bedard with Nick Suzuki, um, trade Cole Caulfield. Please. You can... you're, ta- you're talking about pulling the team together, and I'm like, we're pulling the team together, so everybody's on the same page about the tank, right? That's that's where yeah. we're going here? Is that the plan? <laughs> Probably for this year. <laughs> Perfect. All right, anything else, my friend? Oh, no, man. I, I think that's really it for the NHL. Well, let's move into basketball. We mentioned it earlier. The conversation is up in the air. Frank Vogel is in hot water. The only real coaching update we got right now, but it's not a conversation of Frank. It's a conversation about the Lakers in general because they're just struggling. You know, AD's been out for weeks. Trust me, my fantasy team is maybe hurt. I'm still in the lead because Matt has stopped playing. But, um, you know, this, this Lakers team has struggles. They've got problems. It's just not a good time in L.A. right now. The Lakers are just a patchwork team. Um, We talked about this earlier, man. Unfortunately for Frank Vogel, uh, winning a championship 15 months ago doesn't protect you when you did that with LeBron James. Because everybody knows LeBron James elevates guys. You don't need to have the most elite coach. Look, I give Eric Spolstra and Ty Lue all the credit in the world for being great coaches. Have they ever won a championship without a guy on their team named LeBron James when they were the head coach? No. So did Frank Spolster win with uh, D Wade. Oh, maybe he did. See, Spolster is okay. a league of his own. Office, okay, yeah. But like that's why that's why LeBron went to Miami. Fair, fair. But thank you I'm for just, correcting bring me. That one no, thank you for yeah, correcting me. But I'm here, you know, Vogel hasn't he was a great pacers head coach for years that team was solid for years that team had paul george for years how many second round exits third conference final exits do they have maybe a handful which is good it's it's not winning championships so if frank vogel was that elite i i do agree that you need to have some of the best players but i also agree that coaches can hold players back i mean we look at bud in milwaukee he held that team back and yes they won last year but they got serious serious help so sometimes you have to think about just changing up the coach to change up the environment he obviously doesn't understand how to use this roster of players they're floundering right now steve nash figured out not to use uh deandre jordan maybe you could too 
So the I like that comment specifically because you know this Lakers team, while it was only 15 months removed from winning a championship, there's three players on this roster that is the same. If you you know don't think about Dwight who left and then came back, right? So Vogel won a championship with different players. Technically, I mean obviously LeBron is LeBron, but he's not coaching LeBron. You know what I mean? Like nobody's he, coaching LeBron. Nobody's coaching LeBron. It's LeGM for a reason. So it's it, that might be the answer. It might be needing to have somebody come in and see a different direction, right? Like this Lakers team is not bad, right? Like they've gone on little streaks of winning. They've been dealing with injuries. They have all-star level talent. But like Frank Vogel obviously can't get Westbrook to sit and not. He can't get Westbrook to stop doing stupid things. You know what I mean? But can anyone do that, right? Like, it's such a weird question with this Lakers team left and right. Well, it's minimizing the, the potential of Russell Westbrook's mistakes hurting your team and getting the most out of the auxiliary pieces that you have, which he is not doing. That is, it's a fact. And I think, um, if I'm going to bring it back to yesterday in Kent Hughes' interview or um, introduction, he mentioned in team building that you have to choose the right coach for the right players. Um, yep. The coach needs to connect with the players and needs to get the most out of them. If he doesn't, then your team isn't going to perform. They're not performing. He's obviously not getting the best out of them. Maybe a new voice is what they need. Um you know, he's he's changed coaches midseason before and gone to the NBA Finals, LeBron has, so uh, might be the right decision at this point. It's going to be interesting, right? Like, I do have to mention that Malik Monk has been great for this Lakers team. Like, he has shot the ball so well, and it's what they've needed, right? So, uh, on the one hand, like, wow, let's get shooters around LeBron who know how to do their job. So, like, it's, you know, it's just funny, in my opinion. Malik Monk, who is, like, out of the league as a lottery (laughs) pick, slapped in the head by Michael Jordan himself for doing some weird stuff on the bench. or And it's, LeBron makes him almost a serviceable all-star. Like, it's like another KCP thing. Is he going to get an $18 million contract next year? Because he plays with LeBron James. So, I agree. They just need a new voice. The the two things that I want to bring up before we move away from the Lakers is the fact that they almost had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Both of them were both willing to go to L.A. and wanted to be there. Think of what DeMar could be doing on this team right now if he had showed up. I just have to bring that up really quick. Dude. Dude. LeBron, I know that you stomped on, the, on Toronto with... <laughs> Demar and Lowry for years, and so you probably don't hold them in the highest regard. But man, you missed out. Those are some dogs. Those are some real players. Take it from Toronto Raptors fans who watched those guys for the maybe seven or eight best years of our basketball lives. Um, yes, should have had them. Anyways, we can we can move off now. We can actually talk about the Bulls because Demar is going to be having to go off for the next little while because we're moving into injuries now and. We have to talk about Lonzo and Zach Levine, both of the backcourt players for the Bulls. You know, Levine went down last week against the Golden State. You know, thankfully there's no major damage with his with his knee on the MRI, but Lonzo is maybe not in a s- situation that's similar because he's got a small meniscus tear, which might need surgery. They're talking about maybe playing through it, but like if he goes through surgery, that's four to six weeks and every week man i feel like i've talked to you about how the bulls are missing players how they're there there's more injuries left and right and it's crazy to think that they're still on top of the eastern conference through yeah. all of the struggles 28 and 15 um i mean 
it's going to be hard to stay there without Levine and Lonzo, oh, yeah. especially with already without uh, Willis, uh, Patrick Williams. I mean, sorry. Um, and they've they've got a good team. I don't know if Tamar can keep them there, um, but it'll be interesting to see. It's it's really tough, man. But availability is, is one of the most key things in sports. Um, you know, I'd much rather pay a guy who's an A superstar who's always available than an A plus superstar who's only half the time available. So that's why Kyle Lowry was so good for us, honestly. I'll, I'll keep talking about Kyle and Demar more because you know the Toronto fans that we are. But yeah, man, hopefully the Bulls can keep it going. Caruso was back after missing like I think six or seven games last night. Personally, I'm hoping he goes off over the next few weeks as a fantasy holder of him. But uh, <laughs> moving forward, let's talk about the Pacers now a little bit because. Turner has a stress reaction or something in his foot. Stress fracture. He's going to be out two weeks, basically. Another one of the Pacers players that is up on the trade block. Thankfully, he's not out too long because, obviously, there will be some conversations over the next three, four weeks if he's going to get moved. But Pacers fans, they're missing the best shot blocker in the NBA, I guess. Yeah, man. He is the best shot blocker in the NBA. Um, He's also a guy who can drop 40 um i think he's a, he's an undervalued by the paces he's a pretty good player in my opinion um i remember when they drafted him he formed a pretty dynamic pair with pg um 13 oh, right yeah. off the right off his rookie season um so you know what man if his trade value is kind of down because he has an injury maybe the raptors look to kind of pounce here so <laughs> that would be that would be my my dream scenario um is we get him for you know like precious achua in a second or something that would be Not over here dreaming that would be a, a crafty trade right there um but yeah man he'll, he'll come back he'll be fine yeah exactly but we gotta bring it up it's part of the topic let's let's talk about bull bull now because uh, a trade did go through uh between the spurs denver and the celtics yeah, uh, Bull Bull is a part of that trade. We'll get into it uh, just in a little bit. Actually, I'll bring it up right now because it's just a super quick trade and it's really easy. Uh, Brent Forbes is basically going to Denver. He's a 41% three-point shooter. Great piece <laughs> to go around um, Jokic. Hopefully this means that uh, Murray is recovering and they want to make a push to the playoffs. Yep. Um, but the Celtics get Bull Bull back because they love paying Bull Bull. Um, and the Spurs get Juan Hernan Gomez. Um, but back to the Bull Bull injury. He's going through surgery. He's going to be out eight to 12 weeks pretty well just one thing about the Celtics game bull bull taco falls and bob and bull bull you guys have the most imaginary front court i've ever seen in my, in my life <laughs> two guys who take up roster spots on nba rosters get paid for nba salaries who play maybe a total of i think 40 50 minutes in the nba over four years it's been a while since but, both of them have been, have been in the nba but they're tall matt they're, they're so tall. <laughs> you know who else is tall? Kevin Durant's tall. And that man is injured again. Man, I can't believe it. MCL sprain, four to six weeks. They just brought Kyrie back. Maybe this is, you know, karma for letting Kyrie play games or whatever. But <laughs> it's tough for Durant, man, because, like, he's had a great season. He's currently leading the NBA in points per game. Like, KD goes off every single night when he gets to play. So he is going to be sorely missed. Katie doesn't even have to go off every night that he plays. He only has to go off in a quarter, and it's enough for his team to win games. So, yeah, he's going to be sorely, sorely missed, man. Um, another guy that's going to be missed, PG, um, still out with that elbow, eh? Man, they're saying it's going to be a few more weeks, apparently. 
Um, he's out indefinite. They want to rest his elbow. You know, this is, for me, the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because it's conflicting with the rumors hearing that Kawhi might be coming back. Because it either means that PG is waiting to rest more so that he can come back and be healthy with Kawhi to be healthy to make a playoff push, or Kawhi's not coming back, so why would PG come back? Because they've already accepted that this might be another dead season. Like, So it's just conflicting. I don't, I don't know what's going on with the Clippers. They're still cursed, in my opinion, as an organization. So mm-hmm. it's just unfortunate. Man. Don't steal players. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Now, we already touched on the trade market with the one trade that happened in in Bull Bull and Taco Falls. Um, Do you want to talk about some Kings rumors? I definitely do. You've had some good ones, man. I mean, they've been everywhere. The Kings... Okay, look. The Kings are on 16 years. They haven't made the playoffs. They're in this weird place. They don't really know what to do. They've got pieces... I, I still think that the Buddy Heald trade to the Lakers should have happened a while ago. I'm all on that on board that train, but that's in the past now. So we got to talk about the future for the Kings. And I've been throwing a couple of trades at Matt. One that I'm going to hold until Raptors chat later, which I think Matt very much enjoyed. But we'll start with this one that I heard, which I think is a little ridiculous, but it has a good foundation base. I believe you used those words about a good foundation base to start yes. with. So the Kings are going to send out Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton and Harrison Barnes, who is a great player. Harrison Barnes is fantastic for the Kings. I just have to bring that up. And two firsts for Simmons, Tobias, and Thibault. A couple of things that I see first about this trade is the picks. I don't really think Philly wants the picks. But you get off the Simmons trade. Tobias, they wanted to get rid of his contract. But Thibault? Ah, Matt, that one hurts for me. So what I like about this trade is exactly what you said, the foundation. I like what the Kings are offering and this, the fact that Simmons is the main piece. Um, I think the first round picks, um, I, I think Adrian Wojnarowski said this the other day on, on the jump or something. He's like, you know, everybody wants a first round pick. That's why the Knicks gave the Hawks a first round pick because the Hawks think that the first round pick is a little bit more mendable than Cam Reddish's value is. Um, so the first round picks are nice to have. I think if you're the 76ers, you say no because you look at it and you're like, we're trying to win right now with Joel Embiid. We have Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Matisse Thibel. We definitely have the two best players in this dra- in this trade in Simmons and Tobias. Yes, mm-hmm. I think you could argue Barnes is maybe ahead of, of Thibel. And you could maybe argue Heald is at Thibel. But in terms of long-term value and who I think is going to be a better player over time, I would say Thibel is going to be the the third best player in this trade. Maybe even the second best player in this trade ahead of Tobias when it's all said and done in terms of career. So can you do that as a 76er fan or as a general manager? The, probably not. The big problem the big problem I see with a lot of these trades that I see online is that people forget about defense and how important it is in the NBA. And Thibel is not a player who if you if you're not watching Matisse play, you don't really see his value because he is not a box score player. Yeah, he puts up stuff. He puts up stocks. He gets, a, he, he gets steals. He gets blocks, and he has a you know some great shooting nights every once in a while. But the pressure he puts on, there are certain players in the NBA who you could say create off nights for all stars, for superstars. Drew Holiday is one who comes to mind. Matisse Thybul is another. OG Ananobi, when he is locked in, can do that. Ben Simmons once in a time was good at this. They are players that are so good at locking down elite level talent and making it so they don't get to play to their ceiling. They play closer to their floor. And Matisse is one of those players. And so I look at this trade and I'm with you, Matt. There's just not enough. If you throw Fox in instead of maybe Halliburton, 
you know? Because Barnes is very much like Tobias and the way that they play, and they, that, that kind of matches up in the trade. And, you know, getting Heald and Fox gives you elite-level scoring around Embiid. And you're not playing Simmons anyways, and losing Thibault would very much hurt defensively, but you have the defensive anchor in Joel, right? And Tyrese is good, not great, so it's it's a tough one. It's it, Again, it's, it's why Simmons trades aren't happening, because it's hard to make it work. Look, it's a good foundation. I would I'd have to take Thibault out of the trade if I'm the 76ers. Um, and then I think the Kings are like, well, we're taking out first some other pieces. And then you're now you're not as interested if you're the 76ers. I think that foundation for Simmons and Tobias is great. Um, they're just going to need to find a, a less valuable auxiliary piece because Thibault is just not moving, man. Um, I guess Simmons is the biggest name out on the market. Um, I don't think he'll move. I think the, the most likely guys to that are big names that will move are... Uh, Jeremy Grant and uh, DeMontis Sabonis. And I think Grant, like you said, should go to the Atlanta Hawks. I think he fits perfectly with that team. And I think the Hawks have now another first-round pick instead of Cam Reddish to get rid of. You know, with I, I'm so glad you brought me here because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. With, with Cam Reddish being moved and Cam saying he wanted out, and now the rumors that I'm hearing that John Collins apparently wants out, which is crazy, you know, mm-hmm. which I think has a lot to do with the fact that Clint Capella is unmovable, right? Because you can't move him until next year. Um, and John Collins, I think, wants a bigger role in the same way that Cam Reddish does. Because, like, man, if you pay attention to the Hawks, you see how heliocentric their offense is. Like, Trey is top five in both scoring and assists in the league for a reason. The ball is in that man's hands. Mm-hmm. Could you do a John Collins for Jeremy Grant straight-up trade, Matt? Is it something that I think is viable? If John Collins wants out and Jeremy Grant is willing to be that offensive talent that kind of slides in and does what John Collins does but is a maybe a better shooter like I don't know man but the 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 Hawks they're they're definitely doing something there's no way they're done the Hawks have a lot of pieces to throw at him um I don't know if I want to move Collins for him um I think that if you get Grant Collins does become a little bit more expendable so I guess a one-for-one trade is great but if I'm the Pistons why am I taking Collins when I'm moving Grant? It have to be a third team. Like I'm, if I'm the Pistons, I'm looking for assets. I'm looking for first round picks. I'm looking for young players. I'm looking for Matisse Thybul. So maybe I can facilitate the trade to the to the Kings here and get Thybul and and, the, and two first round picks, and the 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 Seventy um, Sixers can get Heald, Halliburton, Barnes, and Grant. This guy here making making trades work out honestly like but that is the interesting thing right it's the question of where is the value right and if i can switch over to talk about demandus sabonis the other kind of big name right now is because the rumors that i'm hearing about the pacers is that they just want to kind of slide sideways they mm-hmm. want to trade their talent for equal talent they're not looking for a rebuild i mean when we talk about it Every couple of weeks we talk about the pacers how they're seemingly never wanting to do a rebuild so i just don't know where it goes it's We've talked about this before. Their roster as constructed has very, very talented pieces on it. Malcolm Brogdon's talented. Karis Levert's very talented. DeMontis Sabonis is very talented. Miles Turner is very talented. The way it is constructed and put together is wrong. It doesn't work. So all these yeah. pieces are now valued very low. But in the business of sports, um, teams are in the business of selling low and buying high, really, if you think about it, because they have to buy good assets and yeah. they're selling their bad assets. 
So, I I just I don't know, man. Demontis Sabonis right now is undervalued. So is Karis Levert. I hear they want like two first round picks or a first round pick and a young player. Like guys, get out of here. Like your team is middling for reason, and and right now you're constructed wrong. That's nobody's fault in the NBA, but your own. You're gonna have to fix it, and you're gonna have to eat eat something to to fix it. And and the eat something is the fact that you might have to accept that every one of these players is probably going to be a better player on the team you trade them to. As unfortunate as that sounds, that is just a fact that is going to exist. So that's why they're they're really trying to get the right assets back. But I, I just I don't see it for the Pacers. It's going to be really interesting, and they have to make trades because they're saying they want to. But I just don't know what what like you know manifests for them. Absolutely, man. I I don't know what's what's going to come to them. Um, I'm thinking maybe there could be some three-way trade action with the Kings, the Pacers, and the Raptors, but we might save that for a little bit later. Um, do you want to talk about any of the, the really hot teams? I mean, the one hot team in the NBA right now is the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic, man. Do they have anybody but him? Yeah, I mean, when you look at that box score, you know, Porzingis puts up points, but it's not always great. And uh, Tim Hardaway is a good shooter, but, like, man... Luka Doncic is unreal. To the, the fact that they're nine and one in their last ten games and it just kind of just happened, you know, is is pretty insane for this Dallas team. They're now in fifth in the West, right? They're sitting twenty six and nineteen. They're ahead of Denver. They're ahead of both LA teams. They're ahead of Minnesota, which is sitting in sixth place, which is a very interesting team sitting there. But yeah, man, Dallas is somehow good, and it's all Luka, baby. It's all Luka magic. I think it's the fact that the Western Conference is a little bit weaker this year, so that one player, that absolute extraordinary superstar, can carry you. His shooting splits are a little bit down, but if he regresses back towards the mean, I mean, he's back to averaging 29-9-9. So right now he's, what, 25-9-9, so whatever. Um, your boy Jokic, though. Well, exactly. I was going to say your comment of, you know, the West being one talented, capable of, of dragging you through. Jokic has got this team just below the maps, 23 and 20. It, the guy went off last night, okay? He had, you know, his 67th triple-double of his career. He finished it, getting this insane pass over to Aaron Gordon in the corner when he's double-teamed for his 10th assist, which thankfully Gordon knocks down. Not an amazing three-point shooter, but when it counts... He hit the shot, thankfully. So, I mean, I feel like I have to bring him up because he's like a forgotten defending MVP at this point, right? Like, <laughs> he is so good at basketball, and people are just like, much like Giannis a few years ago, are like, no, oh, it's okay, it's fine. He's, he is what he is. Criminally underrated, man. The fact that he's tall takes away from the fact that he's so skilled <laughs> in everyone's opinion. Um, you guys got to watch this guy play basketball because the Euro stepping at his size, the defensive maneuvering at his size is just um, just something to behold. So uh, if you don't tune into some Nuggets highlights, tune into them because uh, I know Kevin's been sending them to me to keep me up on my fill. Appreciate that, man. He's just, he's such a unique talent. You know, I, I, I feel like I comment all the time. He's the most impressive passing big that I've seen. Ever. And he might be the best passing big that the NBA has seen. And I'm so excited that the Nuggets are, are fighting for relevancy. They made the trade for Bryn Forbes, and they're going to try to keep going. And I believe that this team can do it. And if Murray comes back, oh, baby. Dude, speaking about fighting for relevancy, that's where our Raptors kind of find themselves, man. After a tough one three week, we both kind of thought it might go that way. I mean, we did think yep. we'd probably beat the Pistons. I might have jinxed it with my, my bull 
my my comments about it but it's tough man i guess we're sliding a little bit since the win streak we, we've lost some key pieces in gary trent um what do you think we should do here there's there's so many ways to go it right like that pistons game specifically was a trap game you know our big three they had 63 points okay matt mm -hmm. they shot 19 for 52 just gonna bring that up really quickly just how much pain that i felt in that pistons game exactly right kem broke his nose in this game so i'm sure that was a big deciding factor you know, it's there's a lot of things we can talk about, but I'll bring up that trade that we discussed. Cause I know Matt wants to talk about this trade because he loves talking about Pascal Siakam trades. But if the Kings were to offer us De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley for Pascal Siakam, now this trade is obviously like three weeks from now when the Raptors are middling and the Kings are somehow wanting to break their 16-year playoff curse, right? So this is a trade where the Kings want to be better and succeed, and the Raptors are accepting younger more rebuildish esque year more raw talent yes yeah exactly and i think if i'm a raptor general manager if i'm Masai, i'm saying yes to this trade it's going to be a tough one and i think it's going to be a tough sell to Masai, who values pascal siakam so much and, and really does love pascal siakam um because he he wasn't there with he didn't draft damar he didn't bring damar along he has with pascal so i think there's a little bit more here um, but Fox elevates our ceiling with Barnes and OG Ananobi and Gary Trent. Um, you probably have to get rid of Gary Trent is what I'm thinking because we have Freddie. Um, so we could technically get into some other three team trades now. Um, I like what Barnes does as a deve developmental prospect. Um, he's a little bit older, but maybe we can be rebuild him kind of something like we did with stanley johnson i mean the guy's been going off for the lakers have you seen this man he's one of their better players right now it's because he's coming out of 10 day contract coming out of the raptors system guys we taught him how to play winning basketball last year you're welcome and we can teach Amen. marvin how to do that as well um i really like this trade um and then if we can you know use gary trent now that he's expendable and maybe a first round pick and some young assets to go get a guy like DeMontis Sabonis to really complete our roster. I think that's like probably the scariest starting five in the NBA. If you put Sabonis at the five, Barnes at the four, OG at the three, Freddie at the one or two, and Fox at the one or two, I mean, you could have them rotate because they're both combos. I don't know terrifying. what Eastern Conference team is going to beat that. So so many good points. And like the, the main reason I brought this trade to Matt is the idea of what what this trade does is it trades our quote-unquote number one scoring option for another number one scoring option but De'Aaron Fox scoring comparatively to Siakam I'm sorry to Siakam but it's not even close De'Aaron Fox has that offensive oomph that something that 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 thing and while I love Freddie you know I, I do love what Freddie does defensively he's had too many 13 for 29 shooting nights do you know what i mean to oh, yeah. make me believe in his offensive consistency and we know that fox is probably gonna be similar he's gonna have those things like that but like i know that fox can go off for 29 points and more likely it's gonna be a pretty good shooting night compared to when fred goes off for 32 because more likely i'm expecting a not so great shooting night a lot of chucked up shots also in terms of elite athleticism for his size fox has that 
both Fred Van Vliet and Siakam don't for their size. So in terms of the fast break, which is where we kind of feed as an offense, I think Fox elevates our offense. He gets us out going faster. Um, he's more lethal at that spot. Um, I think the the three, the two bigs in OG and Barnes are going to have to do a lot defensively to make up for the shortcomings of a guy like Sabonis um, and um, uh, Fox. Because I think Fred Van Vliet might get picked apart because he'll be the best defending guard. Whereas like Gary Trent kind of matches him right now in terms of that defensiveness at the at the guard spots. So I think it'd be tough. Um, but I think we'd have more offensively. And right now we're already a pretty good offensive team. So could be good. And that's And that's also the conversation that is being had around the Raptors because we are a, a team that is built on a foundation of defense. Right, and we've always kind of struggled with finding our offense, finding that consistency. We won a championship with Kawhi Leonard, who is a guy who can find his shot, the and consistent, can put buckets up consistently. How many times in that playoff run were we in the fourth quarter and everybody was like, "Herder, what are we doing?" Kawhi was like, "Give me the ball, I'll put the bucket in the net." <laughs> dribble, I mean? dribble, like, go to my spot, <laughs> turn around, right? Like, so like, boom, in we your face. miss that. And De'Aaron Fox is more likely to provide that than Siakam. So that's why I look at these trades, and, and Matt obviously wants to talk about Siakam. Over a guy so like Fred Van Vliet, too. I think right mm-hmm. now the guy on our team that does it the best is Gary Trent. Um, even though Fred can get hotter from deep, um, I think Gary Trent is better at finding his own shot. Um, I think Fox is better at finding their own shot. You need the offense to be going well, and I think in crunch time, I think that's why we kind of lose games because we need the offense to be perfect for us to go get that bucket. And it's not always going to be perfect. You're going to need to dribble, dribble, fake, fake, hit, hit a turnaround. It's just what you're going to need. And Gary's been sorely missed, right? The re- like one of the main reasons why we've lost four of our last five is to do with Gary. And I brought this fun stat up to Matt. You know, we had the longest streak in the NBA: eleven games, more field goals attempted than the other team. Interesting stat, considering we're over here talking about you know offensive consistency and you know this, that, and the other thing, right? So. You know, I, I, I'm in that weird place where, like, I hope we make a trade. And I, Matt knows I never want to trade anybody because I always love our team. I get attached to players. You know, I'm sad that Utah is riding the bench right now because they had a couple of bad games and made some poor decisions. But, you know, Nurse does what he does, right? Like, he's playing six, seven players right now with all the injuries because he just doesn't trust certain players. And he knows that we need to win games if we want to be in the playoff race right now. So... It's going to be a really interesting time in the next few weeks coming up to the to the trade deadline. It's a tough one for us, man, for sure, because I think we definitely need a shakeup in order to to maximize our roster potential um, because we have a lot of talented guys at similar spots that is just kind of clogging it up. And I, we talked about it earlier, man. Roster construction is huge. Um, you can't just have all the most talented players. If they all play the same position and none of them do anything else, you're going to lose games. Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen, the ultimate utility man, to complement his scoring. That's why they are the best one-two combination in in history and work so perfectly together is because they literally fit like a puzzle piece. And so we need to construct that puzzle piece. And right now our, our pieces are overlapping. We need to figure out how to kind of push them out a little bit so that they fall into the right place. And, and it's almost sad too, right? Because we, we've talked about the, the Pascal and Fred, how they've come up together, but 
we don't know if they're enough. And you know, I, we, we've talked about Siakam trades, but I mean, I do have to shout out Siakam. The man did have a triple double this week, the second of his career against the Bucks. Thirty points, ten rebounds, ten assists, some massive closing shots. Giannis was going seventeen to seventeen from the free throw line. We started two for sixteen against the Bucks in this game, and somehow we won. We were this close, Matt, to going zero four in this week. And without Siakam, it wouldn't have happened. So I do have to bring that up for the kid this week. He has been playing great basketball, but again... Maximize on his trade potential, man. We talked uh, about it. There it is. Okay, Matt, anything else you want to talk about, or shall we look ahead to what the Raps got coming on? Man, we can look ahead, because, uh, again, we got four games this week. Um, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about this week with the Wizards, the Blazers, the Hornets, the Bulls. I think the Hornets is probably going to be the toughest one now that the Bulls are kind of depleted. Hopefully, 3-1 week, but who knows? I mean... That's that's the dream at this point in time, right? Um, I did want to mention, because I totally forgot about this, that apparently there's a rumor that the Raptors are looking at the return of Jakob Portal. So could the guy be coming back out of the Spurs? The Spurs are kind of in purgatory. They, DeJounte Murray has been amazing, but the rest of that roster isn't great. Do we want to see him come back, Matt? He would help with our center issues. Um, also, another thing about the Raptors is that if we had beaten the lowly Pistons... Um, both <laughs> times that we played them this year, we'd be at a 575 winning percentage and seventh in the East. So 23 and, and 19 instead of 21 and 21. Classic Raptors losing to the worst team in the NBA. Why is that my fan base is Matt? Why is every fan base that I'm a part of loses to the worst teams all the time? <laughs> Who knows, man? Anyways, um, I'm going to go to hockey this week. I looked at Montreal's schedule. They don't have a win on it. Um, Let's go. You know, no confidence. That's okay. Um, we going for Shane Wright. We going for Connor Bedard. That's that's what I'm looking at. Honestly, Matt, I hope for you every week. At, when I, I mean, you guys got a win. I think a day or two ago, and I was like, yeah. Oh, they beat Dallas. I was like, win? what the heck? Yeah, what are you doing, boys? Uh, <laughs> okay, Matt. It's it's time. I'm gonna put it all on the line here. You know the the NFL magic. I'm not quite going with Brady yet. We're going to go with the Bills. I'm doing this for Austin. I want to jump through a table. This is the true test. Can the Bills beat the Chiefs? I have no confidence in the words coming out of my mouth, but somehow I've been right so far, so let's say it. Bills over the Chiefs. Chaos will reign in the NFL. Oh, man, that would bring absolute chaos. Not that anybody could fault Mahomes, how many teams, you know, go to three straight Super Bowls. Um, he's going to lose to Josh Allen, a, a great up-and-coming quarterback and a great team. Um, I don't want to see it, though, Kevin. Don't. I Why know. are you picking against me always, man? Always. Bro, I'm picking against myself. I said that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowls last year, so, like, ah, chaos, man. I don't even know what to say. Oh, man. Anyways, you're good to wrap us up, buddy. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.